Hello and welcome to the Cultural Peeps podcast. My name is Ian Wielden and I'm a lecturer in the School of Arts and Cultures at Newcastle University. This series is part of an ongoing project which explores different career pathways across the museum, gallery, heritage and wider cultural sectors. I really want this series to do three things. The first is to help early career professionals understand the huge range of ever-changing job profiles that now exist. The second aim is to help those professionals interpret job titles in the context of different venues and organisations. Sometimes jobs with the same title can be radically different depending on the organisation. The third aim is to help listeners understand that the people that make up any field of work are all human and that in turn plays a significant part in their unfolding career pathway and decision-making processes. A few caveats. The recordings that form the basis for the podcasts aren't technically perfect. They're often grabbed in busy offices and in between meetings, so you can frequently hear the everyday world of work whirring on in the background. Just a final note, these podcasts are edited down from longer conversations, but I've tried to keep in as much of the original content as possible. Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the Cultural Peeps podcast. I'm in Colourcoats today, which is where I interviewed today's guest, Sarah Bradbury. Sarah is the local partnership coordinator within the National Trust and is based at Seton Delaville Hall. Seton Delaville Hall is currently undergoing a Heritage Lottery Fund supported project to conserve the hall and also undertake woodland management works to improve the health of the landscape and restore lost elements of the 18th century design there. Sarah's role at the hall sees her working with staff, stakeholders and local communities as well as with a range of local universities. Alongside her work at the Hall, Sarah is currently also setting up a community interest company, and they're sometimes referred to as CICs, called the Good Human Project. We start our conversation hearing about Sarah's early interest in art and the impact that the seemingly non-related religious studies had on her thinking at school, and how she then went on to connect those different subjects together in the development of her own professional practice. She then went on to undertake a fine art degree at Loughborough University, specialising in sculpture, and she fondly recalls a real family-like atmosphere, enjoying a strong connection with her cohort, which has had a real lasting impact on her. After university, Sarah then volunteered for four months in Ghana, Africa, which she describes as a life-changing experience and something that made her question the relevance of her own practice. Sarah relocated to Newcastle, where after working in a series of non-art-related jobs and feeling like she'd gotten a little off track, she consciously recalls reminding herself of what she wanted to do, and that was working with and connecting people in a creative capacity, allowing them to express themselves and explore the potential of art. She then took the proactive step of beginning to design and deliver workshops in a freelance capacity, but that then grew and developed into a role working with the Percy Headley Foundation. Sarah then applied for and got the role of community programmer with the learning and engagement team at Baltic Centre for Contemporary Art in Gateshead. 
In our conversation, Sarah and I talk about the challenges of working in partnership with different audiences and stakeholders, and how tempting it can be to try and oversolve problems that emerge as a project develops. Instead, recognising the need for allowing participants to find their own path, working with them and recognising that the collective group as a whole are on a unique journey together in which everybody plays a part. Sarah extends that thinking to her approach to her own career pathway, describing how she responds to situations and jobs using the phrase following a piece of string, which I think is a really nice way of thinking about how she found her way through the sector, essentially retaining a curiosity for how things fit together and also learning how to respond to things that interest her in a proactive and creative way, whilst all the while not being too fixed on what the actual destination might be. I've put links to as many of the organisation and projects that we cover in the podcast description, so if there's anything that you'd like to look up, then that's a good starting point. Don't forget you can follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, SoundCloud and Facebook using the handle at Cultural Peeps. And if you want a bit more information about the Careers Pathway project or any of the conversations or participants, then there is a project blog which is available at culturalpeeps.wordpress.com. That's it from me for now. I hope you enjoy this week's episode and I hope you find it useful. So thanks for joining me today, Sarah. If we could just start off by hearing a little bit about your current roles and what you do on a day-to-day basis. Okay, Um, so my current role is Local Partnerships Coordinator at uh, the National Trust at Seton Delaware Hall. Um, And that involves lots of different things. Um, Essentially, it's about stakeholder management, but stakeholder in its broadest sense. So that could be community, university, visitors that come in, students, HLF, the actual uh, staff on site, so uh, the project team and the property team there, because that's how it works within the trust. Um, And um, I guess the main programme that I'm in charge of is the Rising Stars programme. So there's a big HLF funded uh, programme happening at Seton Delaval Hall at the moment. And um, a big part of that is the capital works. So they're doing all sorts of things like taking a whole roof off and replacing it and uh, uh, a great deal of things. But um, a big part of that as well is about um, involving people in that process. So um, opening out what we're doing, opening out conservation, opening out how we work with people when they come onto the property. And um, I suppose a big part of my job is um taking the staff on that journey and enabling them to feel more confident in that process so working with them to be more collaborative in their work so there's 16 different creative briefs and they've all come from prior to my role kind of community consultation consultation with the partners so Northumbria University is the big partner in that one and they're quite free and open which is brilliant um, so it means that they've got room to be shaped by the people involved with it So across the Rising Stars programme, we're working with loads of different departments. It was really good because essentially what we did and what was really important for the university as well was to put all the briefs out across the university, which was a difficult thing in itself because it's the first time that the university has tried to communicate with all the different departments. But it means we got back some really, really interesting um, 
responses. So we had multidisciplinary design and innovation, business and law, social sciences, conservation, fine art, and really different responses to all the different briefs. Um, more than we would have ever been able to come up with ourselves, but that's kind of the point of it, I suppose, many different minds. So we all got in a room together and discussed the briefs and whether we could work together, whether there was room for some people within it or all people or whether people felt like it wasn't a right fit or whether they could work across lots of different briefs. Right. And so it's a very collaborative process. And within that meeting, the NT staff were present as well. So it's a big part of my job is about opening out the experience of and and being very confident in collaborating and yeah. not having an end result fixed in mind, which is really hard for some people if you're not used yeah, to that. Yeah. I think within the creative sector and the cultural sector, you kind of get used to that idea because it is about just following that piece of string. Well, especially for me as well, in my experience, um, you just tend to go go with it and, and, and let it grow and develop with people. That's kind of the way I've always operated and, and, and it feels very natural to me but if you, you're working with lots of different people at the hall and the staff team are so brilliant so confident and excited by it but it, it can tell for some people it's not their natural way yeah and it's about kind of um, making them feel more confident that it's okay that we don't have an end result in mind and that we can we cannot know the answers and we can go into a meeting and just like all we'll have to do is have conversations about getting to the next stage or kind of put it in the hands of those students or the, the staff or, you know, whoever it is that we're working with. Yeah. Um, it's a fixed term contract position. Um, so I'm there for, I think it's three years all in all. So I've got another two years to go. And uh, my day to day uh, can look like a great many things. So it's not just one fixed thing. So for example, Yesterday, I was up on some scaffolding on a roof with some volunteers talking to builders and contractors about what's going on up there. But I was also in a meeting with the conservation team talking about what's going to be happening over the next sort of year and a half and where there might be opportunities to involve people. So where they, you know, it might give them more capacity, but also it might help them think about things differently, bringing pe different people in with expertise. Yeah. I much, much prefer a job where things change all the time and there's different opportunities and you never know what kind of one day will bring from the next. So with your job title there, you've got quite a specific job title. Yes, a very then, strange job title. But then a massive remit underneath it or kind yeah. of really flexible. So is that title a help or a hindrance? Is it something that puts walls around what you're doing or is it just there as like a kind of placeholder? So the the thing for from what I gather, the um, so the trust is a very huge organisation. It's phenomenal. It's got like over five hundred places all across the UK. I couldn't believe it when I saw the map. It's essentially just like a sea of names of different properties yeah. and places and all that side of things. There are a few roles like this. I don't know exactly how many, but in order to get different types of roles through the system of the organisation, they have to work with a role profile that's been uh, run right, before. Okay. Yeah. So essentially my profile, I think, was um, taken from another profile in existence at Gibside, yeah. which was a different job, but similar kind of remit in working oh, with really people and collaborative and participation. And I know that um, the trust is really looking into participation and developing that and growing that because there's some amazing work happening across different sites, but actually um, expanding that across everything 
is is kind of what they're interested in um and developing that so i think that my my job title doesn't necessarily tell you a lot about what we're doing although i think um partnerships coordinator partnerships to me is like stakeholders it's so broad yeah it can mean you know university but it can also mean you know june from number 42 who comes in very often (laughs) so it's so broad um i guess it is about managing relationships but are you full time at the, the trust? I am full time at the trust, yeah. Um, but I like to be busy. <laughs> I've also um, I've just started to set up my own. Uh, uh, it's not confirmed as a community interest company uh, yet, but <laughs> uh, organisation, shall we say, small organisation. This is only me in it uh, at the moment. Called uh, Good Human Project, which I do on the side, just in the evenings and the weekends. It's not too onerous for me because I enjoy it. So I only do it when I've got the time and space, and I just note down like what time I'm spending on it, that side of things for yeah. fundy bids going forward. But I just find it quite interesting, and that's. Um, that's kind of a new development. It's only been going a very short while, so I'm still kind of formalising things, but essentially it's a, it's got two arms. Um, one arm is a bit of a kind of... Um, comes from my love of working with communities and people, essentially, and uh, my um, innate belief, whether incredulously optimistic or not, <laughs> it's probably a bit too optimistic, but um, that um, people um, can come together through creative means and... Um, make positive changes or just have a great time or can develop or increase their confidence or connect with other people and many many other things there's there's that arm side of things but then also and I think um this has has taken more shape more recently um a kind of consultancy arm I guess informally where um I'm working with uh kind of bigger organizations to um bring my skills from kind of cultural heritage engagement background to completely different sectors, which I find really interesting. Whilst I was working at the Trust, I I kind of started to um, think about setting up this business. And with the community stuff, I was thinking, God, I don't want to have to do those annoying equality and diversity forms. (laughs) You know, um, you spend all your time building trust with a group of people and, 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 uh, and, 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 you know, making a connection and, and, and having a real kind of, you know, human to human approach with groups of people. And then you go, oh, could you just fill this out? Yeah. And often it's like, you know, which box do you fit in? They're not, it's just really jarring. And everybody that I've spoken to who works in the kind of engagement field has said the same thing, you know. But there doesn't seem to, I couldn't see anything around to kind of help with that. So um, I started to. I was sitting on a train and I just started to kind of have a think about it and I was like, oh, I'll have a bit of a think about this. And then I ended up coming up with a kind of um, equality and diversity form that was a bit more intersectional and was a bit more about people telling us who they are rather than the other yeah. way around. So yeah. I'm all about kind of giving people um, autonomy and, and um, instead of us telling them, it should be them telling us. Yeah. So instead yeah. of them fitting themselves into some predetermined categories yeah. that you're asking, you're asking them to define themselves on their own terms, yeah. or more on their own terms. Yeah, yeah. And the, but we still get the information that we need. Yeah. And essentially that principle goes for uh, the way that the consultancy on a good human project works, I suppose, because it's about working with organisations to 
make them more porous so that the people that they serve or work with or communicate with or want to help um, become a part of their process yeah. and, and become a part of what they do. Yeah. So it's not so siloed. Yeah. And I think that that's possibly like a good way to go. So you've got quite a varied job role there. Yes. So is this something that you thought you'd be doing when you were at school? No. <laughs> well, um, so, did you have a, a career in mind, uh, an early? Uh, well, actually, um, I've always loved like drawing and that side of things and being creative, and um, I was I was I was okay at a few things. So I wasn't I would never struggle too much with um, stuff of science. I struggled a little bit, but I think that was just you know no detriment to my teacher. But I think it was just how it was taught because right. it it's quite specific the way we teach science in yeah. the, the curriculum. And uh, maths, I always struggled with a little bit, but um, I got managed to get through that. Um, I remember being really into creativity, but I didn't, you know, that atypical view of like, oh, well, I should be an artist then, because that's what immediately your mind goes yeah. to, because you have no idea about the millions of other roles that are available um, in that area. So I, um, I remember having a careers interview, God, high school, I think it was, and, and sitting right. down in the room with somebody way back when, and they're going, oh, what, oh, what would you like to do? And, you, um, you know... And you answered all these weird questions and it came out with things like, oh, well, you're quite a caring person. Why don't you be a nurse? And I was like, right. well, I could do. but <laughs> And then I said, oh, I want to be an artist. And I remember them specifically dissuading me from doing that right. in the careers interview and saying, oh, well, there's not much money in that. And maybe you could do that on the side and, you know, do drawing. But maybe you should do X, Y, Z. Um you know, or maybe you should try, um, you know, uh, uh, nursing or going into this, that and the other. And I just thought, Pff. anyway, I kind of listened and then fobbed it off. And then I went back home the next day and my dad, um, uh, I remember speaking to my dad and he was like, oh, what, you know, how did it go today? And I was like, oh, I'm a career interview. And he was like, all oh, right, how did it go? And I, said, and, he, uh, and I told him and he was like, both my parents actually, it was brilliant. Some of the best advice I ever got. They were like, don't listen to any of that they were like you do what you want to do he said if you work hard enough and you and you and you love it he said it doesn't matter how much money it makes he said just just go for it and like really you know just try it's like the, you've got so many opportunities he was like just go for it and it was probably the, some of the best advice i've mm. ever got at the time i didn't know it was that i just kind of was like all oh, right okay cool well, that's kind of a good validation though in yeah. the decision making process to have that from people that you respect and care about yeah what, what subjects did you take? Oh, uh, so um, at high school or college or... Well, high school, let's do that first. Yeah, high school, um, I <laughs> didn't choose history. Right. So <laughs> now I work in heritage, which is always amusing. But I think also benefits because I get excited about specific things. And then right, I can, okay. I can uh, you know, uh, I, I, can, I can go, oh, that would be really good for people who don't normally, you know, engage yeah, in, yeah. in that way. Um so yeah, I I I did um, you know the maths and science stuff that you have to do, and then I did art, and I also did uh, religious studies with philosophy and ethics. Right. And my teacher for that was absolutely phenomenal, and I was from kind of um, you know it was a town at the time. I think it's a city now in in the northwest, and um, I. Uh, I, d I probably wasn't very worldly wise, to put it politely. And that course just opened my eyes to, you know, other people, other cultures, other experiences. And I think it's probably a big part of what I do now yeah. and inform me of that. And we used to have, um, my teacher for that course was amazing. Her name was um, Mrs. Harrison, Hel Helen Harrison. 
Um, and I think she's like some advisor now for RE for the North, or I haven't spoken to her for a while, but maybe not. But anyway, um, she would um, encourage us to have debates and be really honest and have open conversations and challenge us when we, you know, made assumptions and like really opened out like what it was to be a person and the unconscious bias that we had. And at such an early age to have that, we just found it really invigorating and exciting. And I think it really um, opened my eyes. And I remember my parents uh, who were brilliant and didn't question what I did, but we were were a bit like, oh, why have you chosen that? You know, getting into religion. And you just think, no, it's more than that. And I remember talking to them about it and they were like, oh, right, I could totally see your point now. Because it's exploring why people believe things, like what what faith is about, but also about ethics and like being a good person. It works quite closely with art though as well. And the philosophy thing, they they do complement each other quite well in that sense. It's it's a form of philosophy, I guess, in a way. Yeah, I guess it is. And it opens you up to thinking about things differently. And I guess... I've always thought of art as a really good vehicle for kind of expression, but also communication. Yeah. And I think that um, often art can be like, uh, thinking about visual art specifically, like a metaphor for like trying to say something or trying to uh, talk about a particular issue. And I think that religion and ethics and people and all that side of things they cross over you're right they have similar connections and it's I think it's super interesting I guess I've discovered that I'm just really interested in people (laughs) (laughs) well you know it's it's however you get there isn't it it's an interesting um path but so you picked art yeah and I loved that yeah it was quite traditional at the school that I was taught so it was very much like you know here's a trainer draw this trainer right here's some feathers draw this these feathers so it wasn't very contemporary but I loved it I just you know you know when you just naturally have an affinity with something I used to sit in the living room in my house drawing off the front of VHS tapes do you know what I mean yeah copying animals from books and all kinds of little things when I was a kid and just loved it and then um yeah I chose that and then I moved so I went on to college and I did um, uh, A-levels, philosophy of religion and ethics, fine art, English literature and general studies, which essentially was like two lessons a year (laughs) or something uh, to do general studies. And actually was had loads of crossover with the philosophy of religion and ethics stuff. Um, But I found that college quite tricky because you're doing three subjects in a really in-depth way. Yeah. And you can't give yourself over to one thing. Yeah. And I remember finding it quite hard to, yeah. to do that. I think everybody says the same thing. I think it's either A-levels or, or and the postgraduate programmes that are kind of really condensed to the two yeah. most difficult things yeah. to, to study. Because there's... Yeah, being asked to switch gear so quickly between one thing and then yeah. it, it, there's so many assignments and every week, few weeks, you haven't hand something in. Yeah, but... it is. It, 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 yeah, it was really tricky. But also, also, I loved college as well, though. I liked the more kind of informal like format right. and free periods and, yeah. you know, you call your teacher by the first name and all that sort of stuff. And yeah. you just feel like at that point you've got a bit more freedom yeah. and, and it's more about, you know, what you you would like and what you're interested in which is quite exciting so were you still on a pathway to becoming an artist at that point in your head or I don't think I knew to be honest I knew that I want I loved you know creative stuff yeah um I knew that that was exciting but I also really 
loved exploring and discussing things around life and ethics and philosophy. So that kind of was a big part of my process as well. Right. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I, I guess I wasn't sure. I knew I wanted to do one of those two things, but I don't think I, I, I don't know if I still had an artist in my head. It was probably there as like, I had very little knowledge about what was available from a cultural yeah. point of view and like all the different things that you could do. Um, so I didn't really know where I wanted to go with it. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't sure. Um, but I just did, I did my A-levels. <laughs> I didn't do amazingly well. I did okay, but I did fail one miserably. I think one just had to drop because I found it really d- difficult. Right. So, uh, Wait, I, yeah. What was the victim? <laughs> English literature. <laughs> <laughs> but I do really love reading, but I think the analysis side of stuff, I was <laughs> less interested in writing about that. Um, it wasn't my natural way. Um, so that, that dropped. Um, but yeah, beyond that, I remember having a, a few thoughts about what do I want to do and thinking about philosophy and then thinking about uh, fine art. And I remember thinking about, I remember having a conversation uh, with my parents as well, again, <laughs> and being like, oh, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. And then, and then say, you know, well, you can always have those kinds of conversations. So you can always explore that sort of stuff. And yeah. what, what will that you know, lead to in the end. He said, whereas with your art, you've always loved that and you can develop the skills within that as well. And then, and to be honest, I was probably more leaning that way anyway. So I just kind of plumped for art. It wasn't a, like a second choice by any means. I think I was more heading that way, but I was just being swayed a little bit because I did really love the conversations and the discussions and the, you know, the thinking about different things. But then I realised also it really irritated me because there was never any answers to anything. I was going to say, it sounds like you were enjoying the same thing that you were, you talked about right at the beginning, which was about following that bit of string. Yeah. But, you know, quite often that doesn't have an answer. Yeah. I, I love working in an open way where you don't quite know the answer. I've, I've kind of come to that. I know that's just contradicting what I just said, but I've kind of come to that <laughs> conclusion. Um, I suppose I was younger, so lots of things frustrated me. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I love not knowing yeah. where I'm going with things. I think there's so much more... And then you learn so much more as well because you never quite know where things are. Yeah. I think if you've just got the confidence and persistence, you'll always get there. Right. You'll always get there at some point. If everybody's got the buy-in and everybody wants to do, you know, everybody's got the same aim, then you're going to get there at some point. But you're probably just going to make a lot of mistakes or... Yeah. Not mistakes, but a lot of failures along the way. And I quite like that because it makes for a more interesting experience and you learn loads from that. Yeah. Um, and you meet lots of people and it's just a more interesting way of... <laughs> being I think um so did you you went to university yes then, I went to university and yes. did fine art yes I did yes whereabouts did you do that I did it at Loughborough University right um which was a massive sports university yeah, I was say. which was uh, not my interest at all but the um art section of uh, the university was amazing I did a sculpture specialism which ended up kind of I think they dropped the specialisms the year after but we had an amazing amount of studio space it was huge I right. think there was about um Oh, I don't know, nine of us? Maybe I'm underestimating, but there wasn't a lot in, in this huge space. Um, and we and, and we had a really exciting cohort, to be honest. Even the tutors in our final year all said they'd never experienced anything like it because we would all be in. We'd all kind of stay there the whole all day. Right, you know, that okay. kind of studio practice where everybody's just loving it. Yeah. But we were all, um, it sounds really cheesy, but we were all like a kind of supportive, creative family because everybody was loving it there wasn't like people who were there and then just didn't really want to be there do you know what I mean everybody was 
like loving it and supporting each other and you know tutorials were amazing group tutorials because you just have like loads of really interesting conversations and challenging things and there was lots of different people there from like all different kind of backgrounds and to be honest I would say university is an amazing thing for that alone it opened my eyes to you know the world essentially (laughs) um there was you know it, it, it was an amazing experience not only from a point of view of my creative practice and just um you know, having the time to indulge that to that level on 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 your work and 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 uh, on other people's work and and existing in that kind of bubble, I suppose. Yeah. But also to meet people from all different backgrounds, like all from all over the world, and you're having really interesting conversations with totally different life experiences to my own, and it just went, it just kind of expanded my view. Yeah. exponentially yeah. and I loved it I th- I th- I, some of the friends that I made at university I'm still friends with now and um, they went on some amazing journeys with me do you know what I mean you, you, I learned so much about myself and about um, and what was out there and how little I knew Yeah, and that was really exciting so post university um, you know uh, not only was I completely broke <laughs> as most <laughs> people are after university um I, I didn't have a job to go to straight after and I had to move back home and it was that weird slump that everybody gets that I don't think many people talk about where mm-hmm. post-university... Wilderness year. You, yeah, you feel totally lost and you're not quite sure what's going on and you you feel like there's so much promise, especially after your degree show and all this time and you, you're finding your practice and you're understanding your work and other people's work and you've got this huge community of artists around you and you've been involved in it for three years and then suddenly all of that drops. You don't see the people that you've seen the most over the next yeah, three years. Yeah. You move back home, you're skint. Your practice feels like a million miles away and you're trying to cling on to it, but you're also back in your bedroom at your parents' house and it's just a really strange time. So, uh, I, you know, I went on to work in a bar for a bit and then saved some money. And, and, um, and then my friend at university had set up... Uh, one of my best friends, um, she'd set up a, a charity out in uh, West Africa. She'd gone over there and met this woman who'd been over there and married a guy over there and stayed there, who'd just gone out, uh, and and uh, and in uh, in Ghana in West Africa, and uh, and and she was like, oh, we're trying to set it up so that people can come along. You know, they were just supporting the community there and doing all sorts of lovely stuff. And she was like, you could be our first, you know. You could be our first volunteer, and I was like, amazing. Never been abroad, like never done. <laughs> Apart That's, from once when yeah, I was a kid, right. I was, you know, I would like hadn't even got a passport, and I just thought, oh, this would be exciting. I've not done anything like mm-hmm. this, and I, because of the experience of university and opening it out so much, I just thought I'm just going to do it. Um, so I saved loads and loads of money. Didn't save enough. Got a loan. <laughs> um, paid off that overdraft with that loan. Don't know how good that was <laughs> probably oversharing here Creative um, <laughs> um and then um yeah went over there for four months which was like super exciting yeah. completely different but so how how far after university was that that's probably about probably about a year it took me about a year when right. i was working in a bar like full time and, and during that period were you kind of thinking to yourself i I want to continue my practice, or was that uh, that was that dropping away in that year after? Um, God, um, I did want to keep doing stuff. 
I remember being like really pushed for time and like really struggling with how it fitted into my life now. It felt like a million miles away, which I think is why it's a really hard year. Yeah. Because you feel a bit lost and a bit um, like, you you know you love doing something, but you can't do any of the things that you used to do. But you probably can, but you, you feel like you can't. Yeah, the luxury of having a studio yeah, and, and people there and access to people. And you're yeah. like, is it even, because you're experiencing so many things as well, it's a totally different, your, you, your mind is in a completely different place. So when you're at university and you're in this comfort bubble and you've got this money that, you know, whether it's your student loan or whatever it is, you've got that freedom to not think about anything else. You come back home, you live in a back at home with your parents, which is, you know, strange Stressful, anyway. Yeah. yeah. Regardless of yeah. who your parents well, are. Well, you've it's spent three years, four years away. Years. And yeah. yeah. It's hard for everybody. It's hard for them. Yeah. As, as, yeah, exactly. As, as hard for them as it is for, for and anybody then else. You do that and then you, and then you think, oh, well, I have to get a full-time job. And, and there's so many other things that come into play and you don't have that space. And I think sometimes you have to create a bit of space in order to be creative. You have to have time, don't you? Yeah. To reflect and you, and you, and you, and people to talk to about it as well. You're used to having that on tap. Yeah. And actually, you don't have that so much, or it's harder to have that. And all the people that you used to have that with are going through similar things. Yeah. So it's comforting in a sense to talk to them about about that, but also they're not doing it or they're struggling with it as well. And yeah. it's just a really confusing time. So what I decided to do was just abscond the country. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, and go out there for a while, um, which was a really humbling experience and actually uh, had a massive impact on who I was for uh, probably forever, but for a very long time after immediately as well, right. because um, people were so generous out there. And I wasn't staying in like a hotel somewhere. We were in this little kind of metallic, you know, there were like metallic corrugated huts and then like a few kind of um, built ones as well, like on the beachfront. And, you know, you're working with, I worked with... Um, I like the school around the corner, but also helped the charity set up. And they, they used to take in like people who had been, um, you know, ostracized from the wider community because they were different. And, right. you know, it was a really like difficult, but amazing experience because the, the people were so welcoming and wonderful and had so little in comparison to, to myself, that I, but were so generous, but also had uh, so much in a sense of community and uh, uh, friendship and the children were you know very much children yeah. they're, they're like skipping around the playground holding hands at 14 15 which you don't see now which yeah. is uh, uh, so when I got back I was like oh god what can I do now <laughs> it, in a sense it was quite difficult to be like I can't just I, I, I did struggle with um, art at that point I remember actually because I thought that's so it can be so self-indulgent and I was like, there's so much to do. Yeah. And there's so much, you know, there's, there's, there's so much, there's so many different people out there. Like, how can I, how can I just, you know, go back to a practice? But I also knew that I was a very creative person. So I wanted to keep that in there. And I suppose by, by some weird coincidence, I've kind of <laughs> sort of um, managed to do that throughout yeah, beyond yeah, that. Yeah. So, so I worked a lot of strange jobs. Um, uh, I, um, I was a charity fundraiser going around the country asking people to sign up for so <laughs> charities this is after and stuff. You got back. Yeah, yeah. Right. And then I did I did um I did uh I worked lots of different jobs. 
Um, or like kind of temporary with a view to you yeah I didn't quite know where I was going but I I knew I wanted to work with people right and I wanted to do something a bit different I ended up in Newcastle just because a friend of mine was like oh you should move to Newcastle you'd love it and at the time I think I was in Oxford and uh, it was very expensive to live in Oxford and I didn't have a good enough salary and I just thought right okay so I moved up to Newcastle didn't have a job total winger of prayer a bit brave (laughs) and uh, and then I I started to just make some really solid decisions about where I wanted to go. I was like, and I don't know quite how it happened. I think I ended up with a really awful job when I got here. And then, and I was working like through nights. Uh, and I, I was just um, completely shattered all the time. And I thought, this is not the way it's supposed to be. So I just kind of basically gave myself a bit of a slap and was like, right, you know what you want to do in the sense that you know you want it to be creative, you want to work with people, you want, to, you, want to, you, you want to help people kind of build their confidence, express themselves, connect with other people. So I started doing things on the side. So I started doing like little workshops at festivals and um, as a kind of artist, I suppose, in a sense, but in its broadest sense, yeah. so lending myself to lots of different things. And then I, I can't, so I'd set myself up as self-employed whilst doing like, the awful jobs on the side, bitty. Yeah. But um, uh, went from there and then I ended up um, uh, working with some um, uh, people on the autistic spectrum and um, working on a very kind of one-to-one basis with them in a creative way. And I saw that there was a real way in for people to communicate and to feel a part of the world. And yeah. well, how, So how did you come across that? Well, um I'd set myself up as self-employed and I'd, 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 um, I saw uh, a, a kind of, a, um, and I'd been doing bits and I saw this uh, <clears throat> job advert for, a, I think it was like creative support. Um, and I was like, oh, that sounds quite interesting. You know, I had the two things in there and I was yeah. like, oh, I'll just have a go for it. And um, I just really enjoyed it. And I thought, oh, this is quite interesting. And then there was, um, you know, the Percy Headley Foundation yeah. in, in Newcastle. Um, that person was connected to the Percy Headley Foundation. And, um, and, and she said, you know, this, you know this, is, this has been great for the people that have been involved in this. Maybe you should go and have a chat with them. And I thought, well, why not? Pull a piece of string. Um, so I went and had a chat with them. And then they, um, and I, and they said, oh, what sort of stuff can you do? Um, you know, and they were talking to me about people with multiple complex learning difficulties. So, you know, people who may be potentially nonverbal, um, can't control their movements, uh, existing, you know, a lot of them were in wheelchairs and power chairs and minimal movements. And they were like, what can you do? And then I thought, okay, I'll have a bit of a think. So I went back home and I was like, what can, what can I do? So I devised like a suite of, um, kind of workshops, I suppose, that would work with that and to their advantage. Because oh, okay. I always thought the problem was that, you know, people would try and get people to do X, Y, Z. But then I looked, so I just thought, I met all these people, they took me around and I met these people and they were amazing people. And I just thought, well, what, what can they do? And then how can we make that creative? Yeah. And it just built up from there. And then I had a contract with them and that meant I had a regular income, which meant that I was also making connections with other organisations and that was brilliant. Uh, and the work just started to grow from there. And I was like, this is great. And I started to develop a kind of ethos in my approach. Yeah. So I suppose I didn't have um, a structure, but I had like a kind of uh, uh, principles yeah. for developing these kind of sessions and workshops. 
And then they asked me to um, develop a, an artist studio for them. So I was working with um, members of the foundation that would come in. So I had regular people that I would work with in an artist studio. And then they were like, we want to set one up where people can buy in. And I was like, okay, so um, they said, we'd like you to do it. And I was like, oh, brilliant. <laughs> so they said, we were thinking about renting out this space. And they took me to see the space. And I said, great. So, so I just said yes, essentially. Which is a, a, I mean, a lot of the time I was nervous about these things because I hadn't done them before. Yeah. But then you've just got to kind of take the leap of faith and go with it. And, and I think as long as you've got good intentions and you work really hard and you, and you if you don't know something, you you talk to the people in your networks and the people around you to kind of support you or, you know, uh, whoever they may be, then you can find a way forward. So I just said yes and then ended up doing that for kind of three years whilst doing bits That's on the side as well. That's a break. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. I had worked very hard for it. There were some yeah. periods within that time where it was like, I should really drop this now. And it was challenging. You know so I mean? were you still working alongside that? No, by that stage, that was that, that became... Was your yeah. my thing I'd kind of given over to that um which was interesting itself because I really enjoyed being self-employed but actually there's a lot of difficulty yeah, yeah. with that as well so it, it came at a really good time because I was like oh this is a really interesting and exciting opportunity to get stuck into this um so, so yeah did you have a, like a frame of reference for going self-employed at that time or did you just kind of punt on it and think, think I'll figure this out as I go at the time there was some really good support out there I remember um I think I phoned Citizens Advice or something and um, and they were like, oh, there's this free course you can go on that, where they help you with the, how you set it up and, you know, right, okay. sorting out your own budgets and stuff. And I remember going on this day course and, and then talking about like VAT and all that stuff and I had no clue about any of that stuff. Yeah. Um, I think we'd had a small business model module at university but couldn't remember half of that and I was like, okay. Yeah. So I felt a bit like I had a bit more grounded and I understood that side of things after that course, which did help allay some of my fears. But essentially, I, I was just putting myself out there and seeing, seeing where happened. it went and having interesting conversations and making sure I went to lots of different places and events and, you know, I p- just just put throw my hat in the ring because what's the worst that can happen? You know, you have to be quite resilient, I think, is one of the things yeah. that I'd learned at that point. You can't just, you know, every knock that comes, you can't let it get you. You've got to be like, okay, that's that's a bit, but let's move on. Yeah. There'll be something else happening, you know. Just try it. Also, I saw that there was gaps. You know, there was a gap, uh, particularly working with people with, with uh, multiple profound learning disabilities. I saw in that region, I'm not saying that that's, the, you know, there's not amazing things happening in that field, especially now, there probably is. Um, but um, within my particular small area of looking, there was a gap and, yeah. they, and the Percy Headley Foundation needed it and they wanted it. And, and I thought I could do this. I can, I can, I can, I can look at what, you know, I can get to know a person and find out what makes them tick and what they love and, and what then, you know, not so keen on and what they can do and turn, and turn that into a positive, especially people with MPLD. So often you, you find that, um, they're so restricted and told what, what they can't do within society. I think creativity and the arts and not just people with complex needs but all people has a real um way and opportunity to open that out so much more and it's more about what you can do because it isn't fixed yeah so you can shape it to a person's needs which is i suppose the essence of why i was doing it i suppose um but yeah it was a brilliant opportunity and i loved it and i worked so hard i suppose that one of the things yeah I, i 
I work really hard. I like to have good drive, I think. But that's only because I love what I do. I suppose if I didn't love it, I would. Yeah, I was going to say, so did that, does that leak then into different areas? Does it become all-consuming? That if you're really, I mean, when you're really passionate about something, oh, it it's there do. all the time. It can do. I can be quite, I suppose, um, because I am so passionate about it, I can um, push a bit too much in a direction, I suppose. Push yourself too much or um, a project or... Sometimes a project, sometimes myself. Um, uh, I can also um, oversolve and, and sometimes not let other people in the room do that as well. Oh, right, okay. And I'm quite conscious yeah. of that now and I'm, I really try to um, take a step back from that. Yeah. And uh, a lot of that learning has come from my... Uh, current line manager who was actually my old line manager for a job as well i'm following around um <laughs> emma thomas who um i suppose uh has been a bit of an informal mentor to me in that sense because i find of you know she's so wise in 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 working with people and so thoughtful but also very creative and i've i think um i've learned a lot from her in 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 how i develop professionally and and working on the things that i'm you know not so strong as and being more reflective about my my kind of my practice Mm. professionally which i think has been really important and in changing roles and changing sectors um even more so so after the percy headley foundation i um I got a job at Baltic as a producer for communities or community programmer as it was then. It's kind of changed its names. Um, uh, and uh, I remember the day that I got that job. I think it was probably one of the, <laughs> it was one of the best days ever. Um, I, 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 I wrote the application, took me kind of, you know, when you, you see something, you're like, God, I would love that job. Yeah. And I spent about three days on the application. <laughs> Because those sorts of things don't come naturally to me anyway, so I have to work really hard on them. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, I put it in, and then I, I, I was moving house at the time, and um, the letter for my interview arrived whilst I was living in another house but still had boxes in the other house, and it came to my old house, and it was literally three days later. And I was like, and, it, and you had to do a presentation around an event and what you would, you know, and all yeah. this sort of stuff. And I was like, no! So I spent three days working so hard, my interview was at 9am in the morning. I'd had about four hours sleep. I'd made all these booklets and leaflets. Oh, if you're ever going to an interview in the creative sector, take stuff with you. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds dead simple, but take stuff with you. Visuals, it's great. And also it's great for you because if you get a blank spot or a... Yeah, you just some keys yeah, to work with. Yeah, you can just yeah. work with stuff. And people love to see what you do. And if you can't talk about it or if you're struggling with it for whatever reason... People can get it from what you're showing them. Did you come to a natural end of that previous project and that led you to apply for Baltic or did you just see the Baltic job and think that's what I want to do? Um, I thought, I think it was possibly both. I'd been there for a little while. It was great and it, it was successful. So the first year it had, um, it had broken even, which was like really good for the first year of business. So I was yeah. managing the kind of business of it as well because it was people booking in. So yeah. with the, the kind of... Uh, a studio and um and I, and I thought oh this is good it's gone well but it what it almost wasn't enough I kind of done it then right. <laughs> and uh and it wasn't pushing me I was working in the same way with people and the relationships were amazing and I met some absolutely phenomenal people who had 
been given very different beginnings in life to mine and were phenomenal, like amazing humans who were super optimistic and some of the best people I've met, I met there. And, um, but I was ready for a new challenge professionally. Right. And I, I guess I do get a little bit, not bored, but I love to try new things and learn new things and, and, right. and, and push myself. And, uh, and and also just like making my life slightly difficult for myself. So <laughs> I saw this job at Baltic and I'd always loved Baltic. I remember when I first moved to, um, to, to Newcastle, I think it was about, God, I'm terrible with times, about five years previous. And I said, one day I'm going to work there. Sounds really cheesy, but I did say well, that. Yeah, it's and interesting then, that you had that, that yeah. kind of thought. And then the job came up and I was like, wow. You know, it's engaging people creatively, working with lots of different partners, meeting lots of new people, working in Gateshead. And I was like, this sounds amazing. And um, and I thought, oh, I can do all that. I can work with different people. I was like, you know, there was some stuff that I couldn't do, but I thought, well, you know, you don't develop if you don't, <laughs> you don't do stuff. You, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. can't do no point doing the same thing all the time. So I threw my hat in the ring and then um, had the interview. It was like nine o'clock in the morning. I had about four hours sleep or something ridiculous because I've been prepping all the materials. That, I don't suggest that for anybody going forward but I did do it uh, and then I got a phone call that evening from Emma and um, and she rung me up and she was like oh um, we thought your interview was really good and I didn't answer it at first because I thought oh god this is gonna be right. no and I was a bit like oh and I thought it'd gone terribly because I was slightly sleep deprived so I talked a lot <laughs> I was scattering about all over the place right. Uh, and then she uh, she phoned me and she was like, oh, we'd, we'd like to offer you the job. And I just went, really? <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> she went, yeah, we thought it was a really good interview. We'd like to offer you the job. And I went, I said, I thought it went terribly. <laughs> it's like the worst response to, do you want a job? Yeah. And she was like, no, it was really good. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. And then I said, I really won't let you down, I promise. <laughs> It was a terrible way to <laughs> accept a job. But um, yeah, and then I worked there for uh, the next four years, um, which was amazing. You know, the first year, I remember the first six months, I was absolutely terrified because it was this huge institution that I'd looked up to quite a lot and, right. and, and, and I couldn't believe where I was. And I was, and I not had any education in gallery education I'd not done any MA courses it was the first gallery I'd ever worked in I was just like this is nuts and I remember on my like third day phoning my dad and going I've got this budget and I have no idea like how to spend it and I have no idea what to do with this and he was like it's really easy it's the same as in your other place it's just loads bigger he said it's the same principles you'll be okay and he was just like just give it a shot he was and he said to me when I first started my dad changed sectors as well and he was like um because he went from leisure to like canal and river trust and he said to me oh I just thought what have I done here I don't know what I'm doing but he said, you always get that. He said, just stick it out. Yeah. And he said, if you if you stick it out after the first like few months, it'll start to feel good. And he said, if, if in six months it doesn't, then you can, you've not lost anything, you can go elsewhere. Yeah. But he said, after six months, it should start to feel like, you know what you're doing. And I was like, okay, all right, dad, I'll trust you. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, it was just brilliant. It was some of the like oh professionally it was amazing i grew so much i learned so much from emma she was 
phenomenal and the team the wider team the whole organization how it works I did some I just was part of some amazing projects with some amazing people you know so what were you doing there what kind of on a you know what was the remit of the the job that you did I haven't told you that have I (laughs) (laughs) um so essentially it was um it so I was part of the learning team so the learning and engagement team Mm. uh the learning engagement team has kind of a few arms I suppose so the visitor experience team which is all the people that you see on the floors and the visitors facing stuff comes through uh uh the learning team which is really brilliant and exciting um but we I was in the programming side of things and it was that was a relatively small team uh so there's formal learning and informal learning I suppose and I was in the informal side of things so there was me and then another person that I managed um who largely worked with the young people's program whereas I was all other informal audiences so communities families um older people the breadth of everybody that wasn't schools, colleges and universities, yeah. essentially. Yeah. <laughs> and engagement around that. And the job changed quite a lot within the time that I was there because of the nature of... It. I guess it was responding to the to the climate. So when I started, a lot of the focus was on uh, large-scale family events and bringing people into the building. And then gradually it became more about um, going outside and working with... Uh, and, and, and working with different groups was always a bigger part, big part of it, mm. always. But I think it became more shifted as to that being m- like more important, I suppose. Or probably not more important, but more emphasis on that. Um, and it was really interesting. I got to meet some amazing people. So that, that you'd be doing things like big half-term events where you'd, you know, you'd look at an exhibition and go, right, okay, you know, uh, I think. Fiona Tan was one and they did this amazing exhibition where they had a big truck in level four space with this kind of film uh, with a whale being flayed and it was all about kind of the natural world and the ethics of collecting and how that used to happen and then so they would say you know you need to design something for a bank holiday which was brilliant because you just look at it and go right okay um and then we had like people adventuring around kids coming in and getting a pack and adventuring around the building and collecting things and you just sparking that excitement and but then then you know other things that would be involved with would be like um working with asylum seeker and refugee communities to just get to know them and uh share their kind of uh uh, creative practice a lot of the time it was like sewing and stitch and then um supporting them to feel more comfortable in our spaces but also connecting them to their community and a lot of sharing and just very gentle kind of long-term approaches yeah. which was equally wonderful then doing really great things of like the nhs and which i found super interesting we did a kind of um an art therapy uh project which then turned into a bigger project which was like a piece of research and the art therapist wanted to kind of try and destigmatize art therapy for young people and make sure that the young people stayed on for a lot longer um, than they would do or were reintegrated into their peer group much uh, uh had a better rate of that i suppose and a, and a few other things i'm paraphrasing but then we worked with them um and developed uh like a, a program that 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 had like a year's funding um but would relook at itself at different points throughout that year yeah. and would grow with the feedback from the young people um and we branded it so it was like you know 
they were coming to a different thing. They weren't coming to, you know, I'm going into this hospital building to do my art therapy. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but just try to kind of, I suppose, explore what it was like yeah. um, to, 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 um, to help that happen. And I met some amazing people um, who were working in lots of different sectors, lots of different areas, you know. It's, the way that you talk about that, yeah. it sounds as if creatively that fulfills the similar thing that you were getting perhaps when you were at university doing sculpture. Is, is that your creative outlet? Yeah, I, I, I guess I do look at it creatively. I, I approach it like... Um, like a creative person would. I don't want to say an artist because there's lots of different parameters and weirdness <laughs> That's around interesting that. Though, within but, itself. Um, yeah, it is. It is interesting. But I, I guess I do approach it creatively. I think it's about being open yeah. and allowing other people's ideas and things. So it's not just about my creative process. Yeah. You're creating a space where other people can feed in in the same way. Yeah. And then just take a step back. Yeah, you uh, are. Think, yeah, yeah, you're a bit of a conduit, really. Yeah. Um, but that's exciting in itself. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah. And, and the people are integral to it. I think I would, I wouldn't want one without the other. Yeah. That's the kind of thing that makes me go, ooh, it's exciting. And, and you're at Baltic for, you said ooh, four years? It's roughly about four years. Four I years. should know the time from there. <laughs> um, and then did you go straight from Baltic on to National Trust? Yeah, though? I did, yeah. I really wanted a, a kind of new challenge, I suppose. Um, and working on all those projects with different groups of people I saw the value of working in a completely different organization and also connecting people who I wouldn't normally connect to and I just thought you know this is a really interesting opportunity and it's really challenging and I thought I'm just gonna give it a go and also it was on the coast I didn't want to move out of the northeast I love the northeast and Within the cultural sector within the northeast, I didn't really know where to go yeah. from Baltic, and I was like, I want to, I want to develop and expand, and I want, I want new challenges, and I thought, I'll, I'll, I'll head over to that. So you, you talked about um, the role that Emma played in terms of a, an informal mentor there, yeah. and you've mentioned your parents a couple of times. So yeah. you've obviously kind of gone back to them and sounded them out for yeah. decision making. Yeah. Are there other people that have played a similar role where you've gone to them to, to test out? Yeah, I, I think it's super important. I think it's mostly informally, you know, I've never said, oh, you are my mentor, Yeah, <laughs> I guess. But yeah, all through my kind of um, professional practice and just my life, there's key people that you trust who you can um, sound stuff out to, who, who, particularly people who have different experience to yours um you know come from completely different points of view but also I just think it's super valuable so there's you know there's been quite a few kind of key people and I tend to find them within whatever kind of area I'm working with so there were a few people while I was at Baltic you know um Hayley Duff was another one uh she's the head of visitor engagement at Baltic now but she's also just a fascinating human being who uh, has lots of different um approaches and viewpoints to life so it's not necessarily just professionally as well yeah like I have friends and um uh, uh some members of family as well who just see things a little bit differently and yeah. I think that that's a really good way to kind of think about your decisions obviously you know what you love and you know what you want to do and to a certain degree but 
I think there's real value in, in, in acknowledging that you don't always have the answers. Yeah. And other people have often either been down that road or been down a very similar road. And you don't have to take what they say as, as, as writ, but actually it's, it's, really, it's really beneficial to just have yeah, that. It's helpful to populate the argument for yeah. and against whatever decision that you're likely to be making at yeah. any one time. And actually, conceptually, I suppose, it's a bit like me with Good Human Project. I'm going in with fresh eyes from a different perspective yeah. and supporting other people. And what's the, I guess the, the thing is happening with me with kind of mentors and peers that support, uh, they're coming to me and saying with fresh eyes and going, oh, well, what about this? Have you thought about this? Yeah. And actually there's some real value in taking that on board. So what advice would you give somebody that was thinking about following a career path that might be similar to yours? Okay. Don't give up. <laughs> be, just have a bit of a belief in, 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 in what you want to do. And if you're not sure, that's also fine. Talk to people, meet lots of new people, make connections, you know, continue those on and just follow the piece of string. I think a lot of the time... We're told that we need to know X, Y, Z, or you need to, you know, you need to know that you're going to do this, and yeah. that's what you need to do, and follow that path. Whereas actually, I find it so much more rewarding, interesting as a learning experience personally, but also beyond that, to kind of, to just follow what you love. Mm. You don't have to have a particular profession. You can just enjoy doing different things and continue to do them. And if there isn't a role for that, make one. You know, make your own, be innovative. Particularly if you work in, if you're, if you're into creativity, that's, if that's what you do and that's part of you, just find the niche, yeah. make it. Don't, don't feel like you have to fit in the boxes that are already in place because sometimes, although that is tricky, it does make for a more interesting experience. Yeah. And you feel like you're, you know, you're pushing things forward and you're meeting lots of different people. And don't give up at those points where you feel like, I can't do this anymore <laughs> or I need to... You know, a lot of people who um, I've met when they talk about their careers, and this is why I think this podcast is really good, talk about um, the, um, you know, the, I've done this and I just work in this sector and I've done lots of these different things. You do a lot of jobs that are not related to what you want to do and you have to, to try and make your money, but um, that's okay. And also that adds into what you're learning about and your experiences and that's fine. And, you know, you've got your whole life to, 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 like, develop and learn. And you can change whenever you want to. You don't have to stay on one thing. So just follow the piece of string. Follow what you, you love doing and explore it and meet new people that work within that and that don't work within it. Stay in contact with those people and, and continue the conversations and be open to, to trying new things. I suppose just question things. Like, don't take anything for granted yeah the importance of being part of a really good team is another thing like having a really good group of people around you who feel comfortable with each other and trust and are willing to take risks and to be part of a process because you can't do it on your own and teamwork and working with people is such a good skill to have and so transferable yeah. really invest in that because i think often people take it for granted even if you're a good people person really invest in learning how to work with people because so many people are so different. So thank you very much for your time today. Um, I really appreciate you making space in your diary to talk to me. 
That's all right. It's been a pleasure. It's been great. It's lovely. Thank so you very much. Meeting new people. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs>